Today's scripture reading is going to come from 1 Samuel. I invite you to turn over there with me to 1 Samuel. We are going to be in chapter 16. And this morning we're going to read together through the first 13 verses. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him, and they asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed who stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, and Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and a handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. And as you are seated, we do have kingdom kids today. And they're going to be in our Christian Life Center next door, which is the metal building. Behind the sanctuary over here, and they're going to be in the downstairs area where they're going to have a chance to worship and learn at their level. They're going to have a great time. Uh, that's a ministry for those who are four years old through second grade. And uh, we are now officially beginning our summer schedule with Kingdom Kids. So it will be week on, week off with them. And so today is week on, obviously. And so we love hearing all those wonderful little voices as they head out to go have some fun and learn about God together. And we're grateful for our Kingdom Kids workers and volunteers in that department as well. Well, as you know, we are continuing through a sermon series through the books of the Bible. It coincides with our reading plan. So each week as we read a portion of God's Word, a chapter out of Old Testament, New Testament, and one out of Psalms and Proverbs, you can find that Bible reading plan on the back table here in the foyer where the lamp is. And you can pick one of those up. And follow along with us, and I'm preaching through some portions of that. And today we're introducing King David, who comes on the heels of King Saul. 
And uh, King David is a monumental figure in Israel's life. King Saul, of course, being the first king, but being a king who decided he would rather do things his way, call his own shots. And sometimes we listen to God, and as we talked about last week, had a great start in his kingship, and the other times took matters into his own hands and did not seek God's will and did not listen to God, and so God rejected him. And in the replacement of Saul, God chose David. So I'd like to pause here together and ask if you would to join me in prayer as we begin to look at the rise of King David. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come here this morning having a wonderful time of reports and worship before you. And, and God, now we come to your word and ask, God, that you'd speak to us through it. God, that we would see these are not just historical figures with their stories written in a book, but this is you working in history. And you have given us these stories of these people that we might learn from them, that we might learn about ourselves, that we might learn about you. God, that you might challenge us. You might reveal things in our life that needs to change. You might bring comfort, give us direction. Father, we're glad that your Holy Spirit can do all of that in all of our lives. You can do far more than I can certainly do in just a few moments together, and we pray that that's exactly what you would do. Speak to us and change us through the power of your Holy Spirit. This is what we pray. In the name of Jesus, and God's people said, Amen. The call here for David is to be a great king, far greater than Saul was. Uh, Saul eventually, you know, at the end of his life, he set the bar pretty low. Nevertheless, this guy, King David, rose to be not only the second king over Israel, the first king in his lineage, but the greatest king over Israel. When God, when God calls us to greatness, he first calls us, unfortunately, but often enough, to suffering and service. Let me repeat that. When God calls us to greatness, often he is calling us to greatness through suffering and through service. That's what I think we can find from the story of David and the rest of the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be talking about David for several weeks to come. But as we get started in the life of David and we see what happens and what transpires, it's pretty clear God is calling this man, just a human being like you and me, but he's calling this man to greatness. And he is going to bring him into greatness through suffering and through service. Now, what is interesting is it starts out, David looks nothing like King Saul. If you remember the story, King Saul's an impressive figure. Probably something like King David's oldest brother, whom Samuel thought this must be the next king of Israel. Tall, strong, handsome, good-looking, regal-looking, you know? All the things us men wish we were. That was King Saul. And some of us are, by the grace of God. I won't, I won't say who. 
But King David is, while he has handsome features, the Bible tells us, he, he's not the one you would pick in a lineup to be the king. The scriptures tell us that Saul uh, or, or Samuel is looking through Jesse's brothers, and if it were up to him, he would have gone with the first one. Again, probably looking a lot like Saul. Impressive figure. This has got to be the one. And God says, no, I've rejected him. I have not chosen him, in other words. That's not the one. See, God often works in our lives in ways that is counterintuitive. We don't expect that. One of the things we don't expect is that God wants me to be great in his kingdom, to be great in my faith, to be great in my marriage, to be great as a husband, to be great as a wife, to be great as a parent, to be great in my workplace, to be a great in my community, that, that he wants me to represent him in a great way. That might be something you don't expect, just as I'm sure David, as he's out there tending to sheep, does not expect that he would be the great king of Israel. And yet that is what God calls him to. God calls him to greatness. And I think God calls each and every one of us to our own version of greatness. And when he calls us to that greatness, when he calls, when he plucks David out of this family and calls him into greatness he does so through suffering and service now you're not going to get through the suffering and the service of which we're going to talk about in just a moment without the heart to want to please God because we'll give up if God calls me to greatness and it requires suffering and I don't want to endure that, that I might please God with my life and be great for him, guess what? I'm going to give up. If I want greatness for myself, I want everybody else to think about how great I am and I'm in it for me, much like where Saul landed in his kingship. And God says, no, I want you to be great for me. I want your greatness to reflect on me. I want your light to shine on me. I want you to be great so that other people will see how great I am. Some people will give up right there. Well, if, I, if, this, if I'm in the greatness department for my life, not to impress other people with God, and they'll give up. In order to come through the suffering and endure that, in order to bend your knee and be a servant of God, for his name's sake and not our own, our desire, our heart has to be after God. And this is what we find in Scripture that is said about David multiple times. That David is a man after God's heart. He wants God. Unlike King Saul, his sole desire was that God be glorified in his life. And with that North Star in place, that's what I'm after. That greatness to glorify God in his life because he had a heart after God himself. He was able to endure the things that actually ended up making him great. Which was suffering and service. Costly service. Just looking at the first part of David's life, what we find is David is an incredible warrior. The time out in the pasture, protecting the sheep from both bears and lions. Oh my, yes, he did that. 
able to protect them, keep them safe, prepared him for battle. So when he shows up to, to talk to his brothers on the battle lines as they face their arch enemy, the Philistines, and he sees the great giant Goliath coming out to the battle lines, and he's just yelling at the Israelites, challenging them, you're nobody, send out your best warrior, I will defeat them, and we will conquer you. And he's just belittling Israel. And David shows up and hears this, and he says, what are we doing sitting around letting this guy trash talk us? We are servants of God Almighty. Will he not bring the victory? And he's causing a ruckus at camp. He should be back with the sheep. But his father sent him to visit his brothers and to get a report. That's all he's supposed to do. But God has called him to greatness, so he cannot settle for anything less. And so he hears this, and, and word gets all the way up to Saul, and Saul says, all right, you want to get in the battle? Go for it. You know the end of the story. He battles Goliath. He wins, sinks a stone in his forehead, kills him, takes Goliath's own sword, and chops his head off. It's a fun story. You know, the kind you read your kids before they go to bed at night. It's a great story. Don't leave the chopping the head off part, though. you got to leave that in there. That's really what makes it interesting, okay? So when he comes back and he becomes a military leader, and, and everybody is looking at him, and, and they come up with a little song, a little jingle. They say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And when Saul hears this, Saul is still king. Even though God has anointed David to be king to supplant Saul, that has not taken place yet. So when Saul hears everybody just ooing and aahing over David, this new warrior, going out there and conquering Israel's foes, Saul, of course, becomes jealous. And Saul, in every almost imaginable way, tries to kill David. David is going through suffering. He didn't choose to be king. He didn't ask for that position. It was thrust upon him, right? He, he didn't demand to be the one that would defeat the Goliath. He was just challenging the rest of them who were soldiers who should have done what he eventually did to step up to the plate, but they would not. And now he's in this position that he didn't ask for, and what does he face? He faces suffering at the hands of his king who, who seeks to kill him. He attempts to kill him himself with a spear. He throws a spear at him. That happened twice that he threw the spear at him in two different occasions. Tried to have other people kill him. He chased him around the countryside trying to find him and kill him. And, and all this suffering for what? He didn't ask for that, but God had called him to be great, so he endured the suffering. There is no greatness without suffering. If you want to be great for the glory of God, you will undergo suffering. And the moment it's hard, the moment it costs you something, you have to choose. Will I be mediocre? Will I give up when it gets hard? Or will I seek to be great for the glory of God? Not my own. And endure this suffering. If you want to be a great parent, you're going to have to endure some suffering. If you want to be a great spouse, you're going to have to endure some suffering. If you want to be a great at the workplace, you want to be great in the community, you want to be great on the field, you want to be great in the classroom, there is no greatness without suffering. Well, there's a second thing that David 
shows us. And it's transpiring all at the same time. It's not just this greatness is driving this suffering at the hands of Saul, but there's also the servanthood. It's quite an incredible thing. David sees himself as a servant of God and as a servant to King Saul. If you've been reading the story, by the way, this is one of the most, I think, fascinating, incredible stories that we have recorded in Scripture. It's just, it is a page-turner, y'all. You just go read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. It is incredible. And what we find is that as David is on the run, as Saul is trying to kill him, and David is on the run, God provides two opportunities for David to kill Saul. Opens the door to see what David might do. And every time he's, David says, no, 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 I am a servant. He is the anointed. I will not touch God's anointed. David saw himself as a servant of God serving the king Saul. Even as he was suffering at the hands of Saul, he also saw himself as a servant. Unwilling to take matters into his own hands, which is one of Saul's flaws. If you remember when they went into battle and they were waiting for Samuel, the prophet, to come and, and give them a blessing and seek the Lord's favor that they might have victory in the battle. And, Saul, and Samuel's a little late. And what does Saul do? He says, well, I'll do it. Let me seek the Lord. Let me seek the Lord's favor. Let me give this offering to God that we can go into battle. Saul would take matters into his own hand, but not David. David was after God's own heart. And the way that showed up is David says, I will do God's will. I will do God's will, not my will. And at times, even the people around him are saying, God's delivered him into your hands. Kill him. Kill Saul. And David says, no. I am a servant of God. And I am serving Saul, even as I'm suffering. See, oftentimes those moments that produce the greatness in our life, they converge together. Where we experience suffering and we get to decide, will I be a martyr? Will I whine and complain about how hard life is? Or will I say, you know what, I'm a servant of the Lord. Whatever he allows in my life, I will face. I will march through this. Because I'm seeking the greatness of God that I might reflect to him. To all those who see me, the glory of God. You fast forward. David becomes... An incredible king. We're going to get to that story in the coming weeks. But what you're going to find in Matthew chapter 1 is a genealogy of none other than the greatest king of all kings, Jesus himself. And what you find in Jesus' story is that Jesus, I don't know how many greats down the line, great, 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 grandson of, Saul, of David himself. So in Jesus' genealogy, in his family tree, you find King David. And what we find in Jesus is the greatest of all kings. And what we see Jesus saying of himself is the same very thing that David had to go through. In order to be great, that God might be glorified, David had to go through serving, uh, suffering and servanthood. And the same Jesus says of himself. In Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, For the Son of Man, which is one of his favorite ways to refer to himself, 
For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You see what he's saying? His understanding of his role was to be a servant of God, whatever that might require. And what did it require? It required suffering. So how does Mark 10, 45 end? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to many. That's the suffering. Jesus was the greatest human being that ever lived. While being totally human, but also totally God. In heavenly math, it makes little sense to us, but in God's wisdom, it makes all the sense in the world. That Jesus, the king of all kings, his greatness came to him through his willing, his willingness to suffer. To go to the cross to be crucified for you and for me. To take the sins of the world on himself. His willingness to suffer made him great. His very understanding of his role as a servant. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Because of his willingness to suffer. And to serve as a servant for not only God, but for you and for me. Jesus becomes the greatest king. The king of all kings. And what I want to tell you all today is that God wants you to be great. Not for your sake. But he wants your greatness to reflect upon him. And if you want that too, if you, like David, have a heart that wants that. A heart that is after God. I want to please God. I want to honor God. I want my life to reflect the glory of God. I want to be great so that everybody knows how great God is. I want that light to bounce off of me and shine on him. If that's where you are, if that's what you would say, if that's what you would confess, then I've got some good news and some bad news. God will accomplish that in you. But it will come through suffering. It will come through your willingness to serve. But is there not something in you and me that says, yes, I want that. I want my life to count. I want it to matter. I'm willing to go through the hard things. I'm willing to place myself low that God might use me. There's all sorts of things that will pull us away from that. But there's something in us when we hear that. We're drawn to it because God calls you and me to greatness. Not for our sake, but for his glory. And when he calls us to it, and we have a heart for it, we can endure the suffering and we are willing to be serviced because we know those things God will use to produce in us the greatness that our heart desires, not for us, but for him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today and I believe you're calling us to greatness in maybe some big ways, but maybe in some ways that seem small to us, but they're really actually super important to you. In our daily lives, in the roles that we play, you're calling us to greatness. Help us to want that. That we might reflect your glory to others. Because that's what we desire. We're willing to walk through the suffering. We're willing to humble ourselves as servants. And in that way, we might look like Jesus. God, we cannot do that without your help. There's so many things that pull us away from that desire. 
so many ways we can become stagnant, complacent, get our minds onto other things or desire greatness for our own benefit. But your Holy Spirit can point us in the right direction. Not only that, but your Holy Spirit can empower us to walk in that direction. And that's what we ask, God, that you do what you can do, what only you can do. While at the same time, we seek to do what you've called us to do, what you will not do for us, but you call us to obedience, to take those steps in this journey of greatness for the glory of you, our God, that you would take those small steps and make them transformative. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, maybe for you, some things have caused you to settle for less than the greatness that God's called you to. Or maybe for others, you have not realized that God has called you into a significant life by first calling you into a relationship with him through Jesus, the greatest servant and the greatest king of all. Whatever God is dealing with you today, I want to invite you to respond to him. That's what our invitations are for every Sunday is a chance to respond to the Lord, not only by singing together, but also praying. And so I'll stand down front. If you would like prayer, I invite you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you. Or if God is calling you to pray and you pray exactly where you're at, that's okay too. But what I want to call you, what I encourage you to do is respond to God. Whatever he has spoken to you, don't leave here today without speaking to him in prayer. Would you stand with me as we enter into this time of invitation?